Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Esther. The Old Testament book of Esther and chapter number 2. As we're going through the book of Esther, we're still at the very beginning, though we've had some preparatory times before we meet the main character of this book. So far, we've been introduced to King Ahasuerus. We've been introduced to Queen Vashti, and we've saw the events that, that occurred that caused Queen Vashti to be deposed, to be divorced, to be set aside. And now there's an opening on the throne. As we approach this, we find in Esther chapter 2 that King Ahasuerus has now had some time, uh, after all, a big war with Greece would be a time consumer. Three years have passed since the incident we found in Esther chapter 1. So three years later, we pick up the story now in progress. If you don't mind, look with me in the book of Esther in chapter number 2. Esther in chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the word of God says this. After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, under the custody of Hagi, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with a captivity which had been carried away with Jehoiim, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace to the custody of Haggai that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him and she obtained kindness of him and he speedily gave for her things for her purification with such things as belongeth to her and seven maidens which were meet to be given to her out of the king's house and he preferred her and her maidens unto the best place of the house of the women Esther had not shown her people nor her kindred for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it 
And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now when every maid's turn was to come in to King Ahasuerus after she had been twelve months according to the manner of women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of women. Then thus came every maiden unto the king, and whatsoever she desired was given to her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. And in the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned to the second house of the women, to the custody of Sheazgiz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. And she came in to the king no more, except that the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the daughter, the uncle of Mordecai, who was taken her for his daughter, was come in to unto the king, and she required nothing but Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto king Ahasuerus into his house royal in the tenth month, which is in the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the crown royal upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast unto his princes and servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the province and gave gifts according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not shown yet shown her kindred nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that is in its entirety, but is referenced several times in this passage in Esther chapter 2, Esther chapter 2 and verse number 17, notice the phrase, she obtained grace and favor. She obtained grace and favor. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach that thing from Esther chapter 2. She obtained grace and favor. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the great opportunity it is to open up your word once again. And as we go through this amazing story, Lord, I'm asking that you would just please be with me. Take the words and you make it make sense. Make it understandable. Help us to get a good visual of what's going on in our mind as we recall this story and that we'd make a proper application because of it as well. Lord, I'm asking that you'd give grace above and beyond myself, Lord, that you would fill me with your precious spirit. And once again, you just get your own work accomplished through your word and that you would be a help to all of these folks that came out today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, once again, we come to the book of Esther in chapter number two. And as we've already recapped that in Esther chapter one, that King Ahasuerus, the king of the Persian empire, who was also considered a god, and that's going to be important here in just a bit as well. 
he was getting ready to invade Greece. And during that time, they had a special celebration where they had the officers present. And Queen Vashti had refused a royal order. There was nothing lewd or crude about what was asked of her. She was just asked to present herself as a unified front. But because she disobeyed, uh, according to law, and the lawyers got involved and there was time set inside, she was removed from being queen. Well, of course, the invasion of Greece went on and uh, King Ahasuerus came back. And after three years of not being married, three years of Queen Vashti being gone, he missed being married. He missed having his wife. He missed having someone there. And so he went to the advisors and said, all right, guys, what do we do? What, what needs to happen? And those guys who ministered to him, they said, well, let's... Go and grab the most beautiful women of the entire empire. Now remember, this is an empire that spread from, Fran uh, from Europe all the way up to Russia, from Egypt all the way to India. And they sent into all the different provinces and basically went and said, let's find the most beautiful, the fairest virgins that we could find and let them have the opportunity to present themselves before the king and the king will pick whichever one he wants to become his new queen and so they set this up they set it up begin to bring in the young ladies and one of these young ladies was a young lady by the name of Esther and we find in this book of Esther, first of all, as we talk about that she obtained grace and favor, the first thing I'd like to show you as we introduce her is her origin and character. Her origin and character. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, as we pick it back up in verse number 5. Esther chapter 2 in verse number 5. Now in Shushan the palace was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem in the captivity which was carried away with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Now here we see Mordecai, and we're introduced to Mordecai. Mordecai was taken away the same time as one of the kings of, of Israel, uh, Judah, Jerusalem, which is approximately about 600 B.C. And so at 600 BC, Mordecai was taken. He was put in Babylonian captivity. And he was in Babylon for 70 years until Cyrus the Great had taken him. And now Cyrus the Great has gone. Cambyses has gone. Darius has gone. And now Xerxes is gone. Mordecai, for those of you trying to keep track, is 83 years old. So this is a man who's got some wisdom under his belt. He's well-traveled. He understands a little bit of life lessons. And during this time, Mordecai, who had been taken, he had also had the, the, um, the privilege of raising up her, uh, his cousin. Remember, it's his <coughs> brother's, <coughs> his uncle's daughter, which makes it his cousin. And he had to raise his cousin. And some of the things that we see about, about Esther is that she was one of the children of captivity. It was her father who was also taken in captivity at this time. We also understand, according to verse number 7, and he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. A second thing we see is that she was an orphan. So, first of all, 
She was taken from her homeland. She was kidnapped by the Babylonians. And she was transported into a foreign country. And it was there that her family was born and raised. And she was raised in Babylon. In the country of Babylon. Then some time had passed. And her parents had died. And now she's orphaned. Some of you may know what it's like to be orphaned. To lose a parent at a young age. And know what it's like to have that gap missing. To have something missing in your life. To, to know that, uh, that you'll never see them again. And they're, they're, she was raised as an orphan. We also know according to verse number 7. That the maid was fair and beautiful. That she was also blessed with beauty. That's something that was a mark about her. She was very beautiful. Who Mordecai, her father and mother, were dead, took for his own daughter. And she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. Something else we see about her character, just learning more about her. And who is this lady that is going to be the central theme of this book? We also know that she submitted to authority. She submitted to authority. Notice with me in verse number 10. Esther had not shown her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. Notice in verse number 20. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. We see that this is a young lady who grew up submitting to authority. She submitted to her her cousin, though he was raising her like a daughter, he sum she submitted to her. This is a lady who had learned how to submit herself, learn how to be pleasing to the Lord. Now, it's very important that Mordecai, who was well-traveled, had told her, don't tell anyone that you're a Jew. Don't tell anyone that you're a Hebrew person. She may have scratched her head and tried to understand why, but Mordecai understood that there was a stigma even back then on being a Jew on being a Hebrew person, and knew that there was going to be some people who did not like the fact that she would be a Jew. And so he said, whatever you do, don't tell anyone that you're a Jew. Don't tell anyone. This is for your safety and for others. Don't tell anyone. And so she submitted. Even to the place where she was queen, she still submitted and still didn't tell anyone. This is a lady who had developed the habit and character from a young age to submit to authority. And when you submit to, in, to visible authority. You're also in submitting to invisible authority. She had lived her life. And developed the practice of living her life. Trying to please God. And because she lived her life trying to please God. She obtained grace and favor with those around her. And I'm going to show you that right now. We showed a little bit just introducing her origin and character. I'd like to show you something else about Esther in this book. Her preferment. Her preferment. That she was preferred more than the others. So in verse number 8, if you don't mind. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree were heard that when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace under the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Haggai, the keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him. That's, that maiden is Esther. 
And the maiden pleased him. And she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her the things for her purification. With such things as belonged to her. And seven maidens which were meat given to her out of the king's house. And he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. So here it came. There was many ladies who were brought up unto Shushan the palace. And the capital city of Susa of the Persian empire. And they were brought together. But Esther, out of them all, because of her temperament, because of her meek and quiet spirit, because of her desire to please the Lord, God granted, and this was something that God did, God granted her favor with this man who was in charge. And he said, oh, this is a young lady who I can trust. This is a young lady who's not yelling at me. Uh, it, you know, some people compare it to a beauty pageant. Let's just, for imagination's sake, let's compare it to the beauty pageant world. If you've ever met a lot of those ladies, some of them are not very down to earth. Some of them may be pretty vain. Some of them may have a false view of themselves, whatever it is. But if you were going to compare it to a beauty pageant, wouldn't it be refreshing to have someone who was down to earth and was meek and quiet and not a diva, not someone who was demanding everyone to carry her little puppy around with her, you know, or, or whatever the little uh, thing would be of that day? This was a young lady who, who had a meek and quiet spirit. This was a lady who was willing to submit to authority. This was a young lady who was willing to do what was right. And you could tell it on her countenance. You could tell it on her face. You could tell it by who she was and how she carried herself. It was something in the inside of her that made her beautiful. Not just the outside. It's that inner beauty that attracted. And so what he did is he assigned seven made seven servants to work for her and say your job is to take care of her every need your job is to make sure that she has what she needs so that way she could go past this trial your job is to guard her and protect her your job is to take care of her and what's more inside of this place they had different rooms and she was given the very best room, her and her maids, to be taken care of. Why? Because she obtained favor. And it was the Lord that had granted favor. Because as she tried to please him, what happened is that others around her was granted favor. There was just something about that meek and quiet spirit that she had. Notice as it goes on in verse number 11. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. He, was, he didn't just say, all right, we cut off ties. You're on your own now. He was concerned every day. He would keep showing up. How's she doing? How's she doing? Is she doing what she's supposed to be doing? Is she doing well? Does she need anything? Now, when every maid's turn was come to King Ahasuerus after she had been 12 months, according to the manner of women, for so the days of her purification accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh and six months of sweet odors and other things for the purifying of women. Now let's stop here. This is a cultural thing. I want to remind you that the person that she's, the winner of this contest, if you're going to put it this way, is going to win. She's going to win the hand of the Persian emperor, who is also considered a god. Now, we know he's not a god, but to the Persians, he was. And so this is why they had a 12-month purification thing, 12 months where they had to be 
soaked in these oils and these perfumes because they had to be presentable unto a God. This wasn't just a beauty contest where they went home from. This was something that they needed to be presentable unto a God, at least to the Persian mindset. This is why it was a 12-month ritual. There was many things they had to go through, many uh, uh, procedures, many rituals and ceremonies because they needed to be presentable unto Ahasuerus the king. Then it came to pass, and this is where the story changes a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> that beforehand, during the 12 months, she had to be ready to go. They, they she had earned favor. She had earned lots of favor during the 12 months. God had blessed her in such a way. And now it came time that she had to present herself before the king. So notice how this procedure went in verse number 13. And thus came every maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given to her to go with her out of the house of women unto the king's house. And in the evening she went in and the morrow she returned unto the to the house, uh, second house of the women in the custody of Sheagaz. <clears throat> and um, the king's chamberlain and kept the concubines. And she came in unto the king no more, except that the king delighted in her, and she was called by name. So this is what the contest happened. That the ladies were supposed to go, and they were supposed to impress King Ahasuerus. And they were allowed to have whatever they wanted in order to please the king. So again, if we're going to go into a beauty pageant thing, could you imagine if you had an unlimited budget and you're going to stand before the king, the emperor, the, the, their god, and you were supposed to impress them. So some of these vain ladies, can you imagine? They had the one show up and everything is red. Everything she had, her costume is red. Maybe she had red feathers around her. Maybe she had her chamberlains or maids with her and they're all in red. And she ended up having a whole red background and she just had that. Maybe some of them wanted to have more of an animal thing. And so they brought animals and, you know, leopards and whatever else. Or maybe, you know, whatever it is. With unlimited budget, time and time again, each of these ladies went in. And they were thinking of their own theme. And they were thinking they could have whatever they wanted to try to impress the king. And so lady after lady came. And they had their own little show and their own little gimmick. They had their own little trinkets that they tried to do. Just trying to impress the king. But notice what Esther did as we pick it up in verse number 15. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was coming to the king, she required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain and the keeper of women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all of them that looked on her. So when she came in, she didn't need any of the fancy lights or the sound effects, special effects. She didn't need the, the special effects team to follow her and to have fog come out. So when she makes an interest, you know, they shine the light and the fog's in so all they see is the silhouette. Or They didn't have to come up with anything creative. She just went as herself. She went with just what was required of her. And she goes, what can I do? I just want to be me. Because there was an inner beauty. She didn't have to hide it with flash. She didn't have to, to do smoke and mirrors to, to move things away from her vanity. She had beauty inside. And that was enough. 
And so she presented herself. And not only did she obtain favor of the king, which we'll see in the next verse, but everyone who saw her, she obtained favor. Why is that? I'm going to show you more in a second, but it's that meek and quiet spirit. It's the inner beauty that's attractive, not just the outer. Notice as it goes on. <clears throat> so Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his house, in the house royal in the 10th month, which is the Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. So now one year has passed. The beauty contest or the gathering of the ladies started in uh, year six. And year seven, here's Esther. She presents herself. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen until Vashti. Now, to me, that's a wise decision. If you're the king of a vast empire, do you really want a wife who is vain and just wants to serve herself? Or do you want someone who's going to be a helpmeet to help you with the empire, to help you to, to not be taxing, not to give you another issue you have to deal with? She was someone that had an inner beauty, someone that she could be trusted, someone that was pleasant, someone that wasn't going to constantly nag, 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 or need, need, need. He said, this is a lady I want to spend the rest of my life with. This is someone that I think could be a help in what I've been given to do. And so she obtained favor. And again, it was God that obtained the favor. It was God that did it. God is putting things in place. God is granting favor with man. It wasn't anything she did. Her job is to please the Lord. And as she's pleasing the Lord, God is granting favor with everyone else. Verse 18, And the king made a great feast unto his princes and his servants, even Esther's feet, and he made a release unto the provinces and gave gifts according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai sat in the king's gate. So we see that the king fell in love with her. She didn't have the artificial beauty. She was real in the inside and it showed on the outside. Now we see this idea of Esther here. Do you know that the Bible has a principle that deals along with this? If you don't mind, turn with me to the New Testament and let's see it. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 3. Let's try to make this practical now. 1 Peter, chapter number 3. 1 Peter, chapter number 3, if you don't mind. You see, God is more concerned with our inside. Now, it does matter what you wear on the outside and how you dress and how you carry yourself. But it is the inner beauty that is the most important. Notice with me 1 Peter chapter number 3. Notice in verse number 1 if you don't mind. Likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word. They may without the word be won by the conversations of the wife. Now here he gives a promise. And this is a promise. That if a wife. It's given an example. If a wife has a husband that doesn't believe the Bible. That's not going to listen to the Bible. That he can still be won. But it's not by her preaching and hitting the Bible over his head over, over and over. But instead, he can be, she, that man could be won by the conversation or how she lives her life. By the inside 
of her being beautiful. Notice as it goes on. Verse number two. And while they beheld your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plating of hair or wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God makes a promise here that if there's a lady whose husband doesn't obey the Bible, that if she works on following the Lord, if she works on being the very best Christian she ought to be at home in front of him, that he can be won and drawn unto the Lord Not because of what she says with her lips, but how she lives her life on the inside. It's that inner beauty that the Lord is looking for. As we seek to please Him, He gives us favor with those around us. This is a Bible principle. But this is something that a lot of people don't like to work on. We don't like to work on the inside. We don't mind slapping a coat of paint on the outside. We don't mind... uh, Trying to look our best on the outside. But it's the inside. Have you met someone before? I met they they had the beauty. They had the handsomeness. They dressed right. They looked right. But inside they were all dead and decaying. It's the inside that matters the most. And by the way, when you become saved, you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. God changes you from the inside out. He does change you from the inside out, but he starts with the inside. Maybe I can make it a little bit more practical. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, many of you are immediately familiar, knowing that this is the passage dealing with the virtuous woman. And it gives a description of the virtuous woman. Again, this is a lady who's worked on the inside out, The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. So let's make it practical. When we talk about working on the inside out, when we talk about being a virtuous woman, what does this mean? How does this carry? How does her conversation, how does she live her life? Notice with me Proverbs chapter 31. And let's pick it up in this passage in verse number 10 when it deals with the virtuous woman. Proverbs 31 verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Here it gives an illustration. You know why it's her price is far above rubies? Because she's rare. Most women, unfortunately, are not this virtuous woman. This is something you don't accidentally come into. It's something with purposeful intent. Notice in verse number 11. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he have no need of spoil a virtuous woman is someone who has learned the 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 secret of submission you see some ladies believe that if they beat and yell and nag at their husband they'll get control of him but actually the opposite is true that the more she submits to her husband the more he depends and trusts on her that's how it's supposed to work That is, she submits as she obeys unto the Lord. That what happens, he trusts her. He depends on her. He can't live without her. She does so much to, to, to make him the man he ought to be. That he can't be the man he's supposed to be without her. She has so much control because of that meek and quiet spirit. 
Again, it's opposite of how the world teaches ladies they're supposed to be. They teach ladies that you be as independent as possible and you'll have power. Well, the Bible says that if you learn to submit unto the Lord, that what happens, you gain so much more power of that meek and quiet spirit. And he trusts in her. Verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Again, some people have made marriage into a contest where it's him versus her. No. You know what both parties are supposed to do? Make the other one as be the best person they possibly can. Husbands, you make your wives into the best lady she possibly can. Ladies, you make her, the husband the best man that he possibly can. When I counseled people and they said, well, should I marry so-and-so? Should I date so-and-so? One of the questions I asked them, will she make you better? Will he make you better? That's what, we, that's what a virtuous lady should do. That's what a virtuous man will do is make their partner better because they're lifting them up. They're trying to make them succeed. Verse number 13, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. You know what a virtual woman does? She works. I know we think that's a cuss word today. Well, work is good. Work is necessary. Work is needed. And there's lots of work. To, I don't know anyone who works harder than a mother. <laughs> there's a lot of things to do. And it requires work. Work. Verse 14. She is like a merchant ship. She bringeth food from afar. <laughs> you know what a virtuous mother does? A virtuous lady? She's able to provide for food. It, here it's given an illustration. She's like a merchant ship. You know what a merchant ship does? It brings something from here and it brings it here. She's always making sure there's food there. She's always making sure it's prepared. She's always making sure that her family has things prepared and ready. Verse 15. She riseth up also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. I don't know, I don't understand some ladies who could get up at the crack of noon and then take a nap and then have to go to bed early because that's all they can manage. We were dealing with a lady once and we were trying to encourage her just to read her Bible and go to church and maybe clean her house every now and again so her husband wouldn't be upset because she didn't work a job. And she said, if I did all those things you asked her to do, I couldn't get my nap in. Yeah, here it's talking about a lady, a biblically lady who's a virtuous woman whose price is far above rubies. We're talking about practicality, not just, you know, something up in the clouds. She's someone who's willing to work because it takes work. It takes work in a marriage. It takes work to raise kids. It takes work. It takes work. Don't be afraid of work. Be thankful for work. Verse 16, she considereth a field and buyeth it, and the fruit of her hands she planted the vineyard. Notice in verse 16, she considereth a field. So before she buys something, it's not an impulse buy. She considers it. She shops the matter. She looks at it. Why? Because the fruit of her hands she planted a vineyard. She considers something she buys before she buys it because she's going to use it to get things accomplished 
in our own marriage. Not an impulse buy. We all, we all, we're Americans, we all have impulse buys, things that are not going to improve our life, things that are not going to help us become better people, not help our families. And we got a closet full of them that we just had to have it. And now we never even use it. You know, it was fun for the first couple days and now it's in the closet somewhere. This is a lady, she considers it before she buys it. What am I going to do with it? Do I really need this? And how is this going to help? That's part of being a virtuous woman. She, verse number 17, she girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. This is someone who, who's able to uh, get the strength from the Lord, by the way, because it takes a lot of strength to do what's right. To keep going. Verse number 18. She perceiveth that merchandise is good. Her candle goeth out not by night. Now basically if you're going to put it in today's terms. She maketh sure that she gets good quality goods. So that way the electricity stays on. Here it's talking about a candle which is kind of a lamp at their time. She's making sure that it's going to have oil. So that way in the middle of the night you turn on the lights and something turns on. That's pretty important. But she's making sure she gets good quality goods. She's considering what she's getting, that she's not getting broken down old stuff. She's getting something that's going to last for her family because it's going to be important. Notice as it goes on, verse 19. She layeth her hands to the spindle. This is uh, something to spin. Uh, and her hands hold to the distaff. Basically, again, it's showing that she's working. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth to the needy. This is a, someone who's compassionate. One of the unfortunate uh, side effects of some of the women's things that's going on is it's made ladies cold and without feeling. And it is not attractive at all to have a lady who is cold. God has made ladies to be compassionate. Don't be afraid of your tears, ladies. God gave them to you. In fact, he's going to save them in a bottle and he's going to give it to you as a present. He's saving all your tears. My wife says she has oceans up there, but that's fine. God made you guys to be compassionate. Guys, we already have a problem with emotions. We don't need to have ladies who have problems with emotions too. Someone needs to be compassionate. Someone needs to have a heart for things. Notice as it goes on, verse 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed with scarlet. Now, we're in Wisconsin. I think you understand this. You go get clothes for your kids before the snow hits, right? You don't want to wait until Walmart's out of stuff. This is a lady who is prepared and she has the stuff necessary for her family. She says that she's not afraid of the snow because she knows her family is taken care of. Again, this is just practical. This is just bringing it down to, to what is this lady supposed to be like. Verse number 22, she make herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple, meaning that she, when, when appropriate, she dresses correctly. You know, nothing like watching someone in pajamas going doing their daily errands. This is someone who could who could who dresses appropriately. By the way, there is appropriate forms of dress. I counsel people all the time who go to job interviews and they have a t-shirt that has holes on it and say, I'm gonna show up to a job interview. Are you wearing that? Probably not a good idea. You know, there there is appropriateness. There is appropriate. You guys remember back in the day where people dressed up just to go to the store? 
you know, we're getting lazier and lazier and lazier. And it's a reflection of our society. And it's opposite of this. But why? Because there's some dignity. A lady should have some dignity in the way she carries herself. Now, you're saying you're meddling. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to be a help. I'm trying to be practical with what the Bible says. Notice as it goes on, verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. You go, wait a second. All of a sudden we turn to her husband. You know why her husband is known in the gates? Because of a wife. There's an old saying that behind every good man is a good woman. Yes. Yes. You know why he has a good testimony? Because she has helped make him by doing the things that she needs to do in the background to help make him successful. Verse 24. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Once again, she's taking care of, she's working. Verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. Now, this is figurative language, but have you ever seen a lady who carries herself with strength and honor? You know, how someone carries themselves is very important. It's a reflection of who they are. For example, we've seen people, not just ladies, I'm trying to make it all-inclusive because gentlemen, we can get principles here too. But here's one for everyone. Have you ever seen people who walk around with their head down all the time and they just look like kick puppies? And Someone who carries himself with honor and dignity is able to hold their head, to look people in the eyes. You know, that's a lost art. People hate it because I'll look people right in the eyes and they'll look up there. Look people in the eyes. There's nothing wrong with it. When someone speaks to you, look at it. There should be some dignity in the way that we carry ourselves. When we first got married, my wife and I, um, because I'm trying to be a loving husband, forgive the personal illustration, We would look at ladies in the mall at Walmart and I would say, how does she carry herself? Does she carry herself with dignity? Is that someone who carries herself well? And and we'd begin to point people. There are some ladies who definitely just carry themselves well. And then there are others that just are beaten down and just, you know, I understand there's different circumstances and everyone can have a bad day. But how you carry yourselves is very important. And strength and honor are her coverings. It speaks about this lady. Why? She's trusting in the Lord. You know why she could carry herself? She's trusting in the Lord. She's trusting in Him. Notice as it goes on. (coughs) Verse 26. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. You know, when she speaks, there's something worth listening to. Rather than, excuse my phraseology, having diarrhea of the mouth and just everything in the world just spilling out, she speaks with wisdom. Speaks with wisdom. Verse 26, She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. You know, there's so much about this passage about work, work, work. So if you were going to equate something with a virtuous woman, somewhere in that definition should be work work her children arise up and call her blessed now we get the blessing parts of it her children arise up and call her blessed her husband also and he praiseth her why because she has done what she's supposed to as unto the lord as she tries to please the lord she obtains grace and favor 
Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So if you're going to sum it down to one thing, it would come to this verse. What is the secret of the virtuous woman? She's trying to please him. She's trying to please him. Sure, she wants to make her kids do good. Sure, she wants to make her husband succeed. But her goal is to make him happy. And as she makes him happy, God sets everything else in order in her life. Men, women, children, you know what the secret for your life is? Please him. Please him. And as you please him, God grants you favor and grace with others. But it's to please him. To please him. That's the secret. Give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her own works praise her in the gates. Once again, it's saying, let's see the end of the matter. A lady who has given her life to please the Lord, she's going to have fruit. She's going to have things when it's all said and done. A lady who has wasted her life or a man who's wasted his life, he's not going to have anything to show for it later on. The goal is God. The goal is God. And as we come to the book of Esther, we're trying to find out from the Bible, what is her secret? How did she obtain favor and grace? Because she tried to please him. Try to please him. What's going to be the secret in your life, dear sir? What is the secret in your life, dear ma'am? To please him. To please him. God is the goal. Children, I've been talking a lot about ladies. Look at me now. Look at me. It's all right. You know what the secret of you having a successful life? A life where you're pleasing to others? To please him. To please him. Husbands, you know how it is that you're going to obtain favor with your own wife? Please him. Please him. Employees, you know how you're going to get along with coworkers? And obtain favor and grace from your boss. Please him. Please him. It all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. Please him. And as you please him. God will grant you favor. And grace with others. Please him. What is the secret of Esther? Pleasing God. Pleasing God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three oh 
6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.